Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the channel. It is Denise Salcedo, and it is officially time for another prediction show. And I've been keeping it going. I've been bringing so many guests on here to talk about all of these different pay-per-views. And this time, I decided to bring on another, none other than Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Wrestling to come chat AW Revolution. Sean, what's up? It's me. I am a fart of Fightful, as some would say. Uh, and here I am to talk AEW Revolution. We got a, a ton of stuff to talk about, a ton of coverage this week as well. Like, it's, it's a good time. It's a fun weekend. I think so, too. I'm pretty excited about the show. I know a lot of people kind of have like mixed feelings about it because I know there are some people that are like so stoked for the pay-per-view and there's others that are kind of, you know, on the fence deciding whether or not they actually want to buy the pay-per-view. And I've been seeing a lot of different answers from different people. So before we get into everything here today, just a heads up to everyone that's here. Not only are we going to share our predictions, but we're also going to preview the show, share uh, our thoughts on the builds and all of that. So please make sure to send in some love in the comments section if you are here. Also, if you want to help support this podcast, as always, feel free to send in a super chat. Those help me keep funded and all of that good stuff. But let's get into it. We actually got our first super chat in here from Tom Talks Rubbish, who says, thank you for both being awesome people. Well, thank you so much for sending in the super chat. It's much appreciated. So, Sean, part of the reason why I wanted to bring you on here was because you and I, we mainly get to talk about WWE stuff. Yeah. It's very rare when we get the opportunity opportunity to talk about AEW stuff every now and then it'll pop up but we normally don't get to talk about AEW so I want to start off by asking you how you personally are feeling heading into AEW revolution well personally I, I mean the, the way that I feel is a lot different than many others because you know you and I covered these shows and between double or nothing last year and all out last year I was not looking forward to covering full gear after that because of the fallout as a result of those. We're talking the MJF thing and we're talking the CM Punk thing. So I went into uh, full gear and I don't want to be dramatic with the term, but with a little PTSD from covering those things, because it's very hard to decipher a lot of this information and find out what you're feeding or what you're being fed is real, not real, all that. After everything went smooth with full gear, I was like, all right, I'm still out here getting news. Everything's going smooth. The wrestling's good. It's fun to cover. I'm more excited to cover this weekend because I don't think that anything catastrophic is going to happen. So I'm excited in that sense. Um, AEW nights are always long nights. It's going to be longer for you than me because you'll be there. But uh, those are those are those rival UFC pay-per-view coverage in like how long they last. But as far as the card in general, I think it's a pretty solid card. I think the booking could have been a little bit better, but uh, we'll see how it pans out Sunday. I think so, too. And it is going to be a long night. I, I'm curious to see like yeah. what that media scrum is going to look like, who's going to be part of it. Usually it's always the winner. So you kind of already know. But even then, it's still like, OK, you just never know what's going to happen, especially after, you know, the CM Punk stuff. Uh, the MJF one when he won the title, that one was pretty good, too, because he just came out and yelled at the wrestling media. Yeah. So it was a, definitely a different take. So I feel like now, um, you know, I'm sure AEW knows that there's a lot of more eyeballs, I think, on the pressers after the CM Punk thing because people are interested. Is are, is something going to happen? Is someone going to say something that they necessarily shouldn't? Yeah, and uh, I thought, honestly, I thought Britt Baker had 
a wonderful set of quotes on on Brandon Walker's podcast. She was like, it was embarrassing. It was heartbreaking. It was unfortunate. I thought that thus far she had the best public handling of that situation. And um, man, I, I, I can't say that I was upset that last the last scrum was a little uneventful. Is it great for my subscriptions? No, but it is very great for my mental health and my sleep schedule. So there's that. <laughs> I got to tell you, it is scary because, you know, you're out here breaking the hard news. You're out here talking, you know, having to share information. And I think after like the MJF thing and like all of that that you had to deal with, I think that was pretty intense. But, um, you know, you kept it going, man. You kept it going. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was it was wild covering that MJF thing because like I was there were a few people in that media room, yourself included, that I was like here is the evidence that I have in regards to this situation. If it is denied or anything like that, like I, cause I wasn't there. That was the first AEW pay-per-view that I hadn't gone to. So, you know, I messaged you, Will, maybe John Albin, a few others. And I'm like, listen, I know that there are going to be people that dispute this. Here is the actual physical evidence in which I possess about this. And uh, honestly, I felt like for, it really put in display like how you cover things, how Will covers things and how I do. I feel like I'm more useful here at my desk uh, with a neon light blaring behind me <laughs> and being able to coordinate with you guys as well, because my scrum videos aren't going to do better than yours. I don't think I'm going to ask better questions than Will uh, because he's very good at that. I'm really good at coordinating with people remotely. And uh, I think that ended up working out really well. And you still got your 700 million views for brawl out too, Denise. Yeah, seriously, that one, that one's, uh, that one helped pay some of the bills for sure. <laughs> yeah. But we got a super chat here from Snap Grackle Pop who says, "Please be careful with the predictions. The last time oh, you gosh. two predicted together, you put Vince coming back into the universe, still not forgiving you. That was crazy, mainly because The Rock even saw that, and I never thought that he would, let alone see yeah. it, and then actually hit a like button for that. I felt pretty special that day. Mike D sends in a super chat scene: Evil doing hardcore Holly for 2023 three hall of fame thank you so much mike d for sending in a super chat we got steve fight who sends in a very generous super chat thank you so much to steve for sending this in uh it's much appreciated seriously all right so let's get into this card uh we're gonna kick it off we got eight matches to talk about uh so we're going to kick things off with a match that uh was recently added and was given the stipulation of no holds barred christian cage versus jungle boy jack perry so sean i want to start off by asking you given that this storyline is one that has been going on for a long time but it did hit the pause button when christian cage was out due to injury um when he came back and this whole thing resurfaced once again were you like on board and ready to see the continuation of this or what was your feelings for that? Yeah, because what we saw at All Out was abbreviated due to Christian's injury. And that is one of the benefits of AEW. If they think you can get through that little quick thing and you can do it and not hurt yourself anymore, they'll allow you to do it. We haven't seen Luchasaurus pop up lately. I don't know if he's been off TV. I don't know if it's like for storyline injury. I don't know if it's because of the, the weird little mask lawsuit that's going on with the creators of his mask that want some royalties as far as that goes. But we've also not seen him around for a while. And while Jack Perry's been around, we haven't seen him booked to do much. Now, when I look at this and I saw how Christian Cage reintroduced himself by saying, no, I want a singles title. You don't deserve one. The clock is ticking 
a lot more on Christian Cage than it is Jungle Boy. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, I understand why he's like, wait, I beat you technically last time. It shouldn't be you going for a singles title. It should be me. So as long as this isn't like some extended thing that goes like four, five, six more months, I'm a little bit more okay with it. I'll reserve judgment to see how it plays out through Sunday because will Luchasaurus be involved? Who's going to win? I got, I'm leaning Christian cage, but I'm okay with how it developed. And here's the thing, like for me, this is a story that I was like already in love with, like even beforehand. And so when they like, you know, a Christian Cage returned and they resurfaced to this, I was completely on board because I felt like we did really need to see that big culmination. And what I in particular, in particular love about this is that it has gotten so deep, so personal between Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. When Christian yesterday said this needs to be a fight, no rules, this and that to me, um, adding that just kind of goes to show that like Christian Cage, you know, he's been around you know, forever. So he knows how to make this feud, this match even feel more legitimate. And then the whole vignette that Jungle Boy did where he shed the one tear, he's digging the grave. I am particularly liked that because we all know all of the shots that Christian Cage has taken towards uh, Jungle Boy's dad. And so for him to be like, you know what? I wasn't ready to like hit you with the chair last week. I wasn't ready to go that far, but I am ready now by showing that he's digging the grave. He's ready to end Christian Cage. So I really loved like the concept of what they did for that video package yesterday. I thought it was really good. So I know you said you're going with Christian Cage here, um, but I'm going to have to go with Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. I think this needs to be the moment where if we really want to see this finally come to an end here, we need to see Jungle Boy essentially really, really, I guess you can say earn the name I don't want to earn the name sounds wrong, but, you know, really earn the name of Jack Perry, not just being referred to as Jungle Boy. Yeah. And um, I, I, Christian Cage's era with Jungle Boy was a big part of of him growing because he got mentored in that sense. So, yeah. We got a super chat here from the Pro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for sending this in. Sheldon Jackson sends one in saying, just waiting to see if Denise will actually pull a Sean and dare to mute Paywall Jesus. Although I forgot to tell you, I did put our interview that you and I did on my YouTube Paywall. And I've been meaning to tweet, I paywalled the Paywall Jesus, and I kept forgetting to tweet it out. Forgot I'll about probably it. tweet it today or something. Uh, yes, Boy sends in a super chat. Thank you so much saying, Jungle Taker for the win. Uh, obviously with the similarities of the undertaker and that vignette that we did that he did uh thank you so much to yes boy all right next weird vignette that was a really weird vignette i loved it i really loved it it was so weird it was so no it wasn't he got deep man he got deep he shed one big giant tear he's digging a grave he's flashbacking everything oh he's gonna kill christian he's gonna murder the man he was me Okay, and is he not justified though, Sean? He literally no, talked about not, his dead father. He talked about ju- his mother. No, that's not justification to murder somebody, Denise. Yes, it is, Sean. No, yes, it, isn't. it is. No, it isn't. You're okay. a weird IWC tribalist thinking that that's normal. No, it's not normal. He talks some trash. You can't murder somebody for hey, that. Man. Hey man, he talked about his dead father. All right, he got yes, his mother's face. This, this is now grounds for murder. Oh no! <laughs> I want a buried alive match. All right, Jeez. moving on. We got the elite uh, taking uh, ch- defending their championships <sighs> against the House of Black in a six-man tag team match for the AW World's Trios Championships. I want to start off by asking you, Sean. Um, 
how have you felt about the elite and their, uh, I guess you can say, spot on the roster ever since their return, um, ever since their return back to AEW? I'm fine with their spot on the roster. You needed the reason those trios titles were established was for the elite and because the elite could launch them. Unfortunately, you know, they had to miss a couple of months, which is a bummer. But also when people were clamoring for trios titles, there were a lot more really well booked trios. You know, you had Santana, Ortiz, Kingston, you had uh, members of, of the pinnacle that could have challenged for that. You had a lot of stuff. I mean, Jericho Appreciation Society is still around, but we don't see them vying for the trios. But there were the option of so many more trios out there than what is being presented. Right now, what is being presented is the elite and then whoever it is that's wrestling them instead of, okay, where's my Jericho Appreciation Society versus BCC? Like, if you're doing that feud, say one of these is for top contendership of the trio's titles. Like there are so many options available and what it seems like is almost Chris, when Chris Cyborg was brought into the UFC and they made a 145 pound belt, it's like, well, where's the undercard on that? Like, why aren't, why is anybody competing for top contendership? They're just bringing people in to face her. That's how this feels. The trios are there. I just want them to be established for the elite. Right, right. And here's the thing, like for me, I loved everything that they did with the best of seven series and um, with the Death triangle. I thought that was phenomenal. But even after that, though, you know, a lot of people we figured, okay, they're probably going to go with uh, the House of Black next. And I just kind of feel like they haven't really done much with the House of Black since they reached since they returned. So I did kind of think like, okay, you know, this feud with the elite is definitely the right way to go. It's giving both sides, you know, something to do. But at the same time, for me, I'm like not in a place though where I want to see the House of Black defeat the Elite so for me yeah. I'm going into this thinking like I just want to see a cool match but I want to see the Elite win like I don't want to see them lose to the House of Black and I know there's a couple of people out here you know obviously rooting for the House of Black but I'm just not seeing it I just feel like to me the Elite is just uh I want to see them um, really, really just go out there and have like all of these different types of matches with different types of teams uh, and really, really establish those AEW Worlds Trios Championships, especially because we kind of took a hot minute to get them, you know, back on the elite due to all of the drama and everything that unfolded. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I do think if the elite lose them, it's no big deal. They can win them back, but... I think the House of Black very badly needs something because you can only do so many lights are off, lights are yes. on things. Someone just only... said, this build is really bad, man. And I do agree with that, Sean. I was so upset. I don't know how you felt about this, but I kind of was a little bit annoyed when they did the lights off thing during the Young Bucks Aussie Open match where I kind of felt like it wasn't needed during the match. Yeah, I didn't think it needed to happen during the match. I thought the way that they handled it on Dynamite was great. Another way I would have built this was Kenny Omega against Buddy Matthews one-on-one, -on -one, a match that a lot of people have long said, let's do this. And I would have had Buddy Matthews win that match clean as a sheet too, because that establishes Buddy Matthews within this scope. It makes people go, oh crap, this match is happening. Like they're, this should have taken up like the last half hour on a rampage or something. Got a few people to watch that wouldn't have normally watched because you're doing what, again, some people legitimately consider that a dream match. I do. Um, and maybe that's still to come. 
maybe that's yet to come because maybe this won't be the only time we see this. But also, I would have House of Black win to play off of all the online chatter and the rumors and nothing to really lend anybody to believe that the Elite and Kenny Omega are leaving. It's just people picking fights with their own imagination and being like, wait, their contracts are up within a year? Bet they're going to WWE type of thing. But play off of that. And Kenny is really, really good at working people and in interviews as well. Have him play off of that as well. I would I would embrace it. So are you going with the House of Black here? I am. Okay, okay. And I'm on the opposite side. I'm going with the elite on this one. But we got a super chat here from Mr. CJ Lilly who says, the trios titles feel similar to the WWE women's tag team titles. So much potential, but not working out the same as we envisioned it with only a few teams. And here's the thing, Sean. When AEW first got started, one of the things that drew my attention in particular to AEW was all of the tag teams that they had. Yeah. I was so stoked about the Lucha Bros, uh, Santana and Ortiz, and just really the entire tag team division. I thought there was just so many different options and ways and things that you can play with all of the different characters. And I don't necessarily know that, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that we haven't gotten great stuff because we have, we truly have, but I still think that there was a, you know, a lot more that can be done with the AEW tag team division. Yeah, and a lot of those teams have been sort of relegated. And no, well, unfortunately, LAX are no longer a team and no longer friendly. But people were talking about them as maybe the best tag team in the world when they got hired. But dude, they're my favorite team, like legitimately. Yeah. But like right now, like I'm on the Fightful roster page. Here are trios that they could have together. You have Acclaimed and Daddy Ass and Helico Butcher and Blade, the, the Mogul Affiliates. Best Friends, Blackpool Combat Club, Dark Order, Death Triangle, The Elite, The Embassy, The Factory, The Firm. Uh, whenever uh, whenever Mark Quinn comes back, you have Private Party and Ethan Page, or Private Party and Matt Hardy. But right now you even have, uh, you have Isaiah, uh, Matt Hardy, and Ethan Page. You have uh, Jarrett Lethal, Satnam. You have Wardlow. You did have Wardlow teaming with FTR for a while, but I think FTR should team with Mark Briscoe in the future. You have LFI. You have Jericho Appreciation Society, Trust Busters, and Wingmen. So you have a few marquee teams. You have Death Triangle, uh, the Elite. You can make Dark Order one if you involve Hangman Page somehow. Best friends are always going to be over. Uh, Jericho Appreciation Society is a team that will always be them but Blackpool Combat Club too. So you have a few teams that can be marquee teams. It's just, they're, they're, it's hard to get people invested unless you have the story behind it as well. Right. For me, I think it's easier to get into teams when I see them just really go out there and do cool stuff and whatnot. I think they're doing a good job with Top Flight and AR Fox and doing that. But uh, there are a lot of there are, there are a lot of teams, which you just named them right now. But there's only so many, like you said, that are marquee that I would say are credible enough to actually see them go up against, you know, the elite. Like with the Death Triangle, the Death Triangle was really, to me, the nearest closest uh, team aside from the House of Black that can legitimately go up against the elite and make me think, OK, you you know what there's a real shot here that they can defeat yes. the elite which we did see with the death triangle but we got a super chat here from steve fight thank you so much for this very generous super chat he says do you think regal returns during mjf's match if so who would he help maybe tony put it in when allowing regal to go back to wwe his name and his face has been on tv last couple of weeks thank you for what you guys do so i don't think so but sean you know more about this and i you nope. want to give some feedback on this Nope, his, w, his AEW deal is up. He is now under a deal with WWE. He's working there. He's, he's there every day, every week. 
He is firmly entrenched in WWE, uh, is not planning on an AEW return. There were no provisions that I had heard of that, that indicated that he would ever be back for any reason. Uh, right now, his future is very firmly WWE for the foreseeable future. Thank you so much for Steve Fight for sending in the super chat and also asking this question in here. Um, we got another one here from the Pro Wrestling Podcast who says, "What's up with these ladders? Uh, thoughts on that, Sean?" I mean, I don't know necessarily what he means. I love Pro Wrestling Podcast, though. Great guy, but I saw somebody complaining about refs holding the ladders, and I'm like, yeah. "Really? Why? Who cares? Like, it's their job to make sure people are safe. Like, otherwise, why are those refs there? It's a ladder match. We can just watch it." But I have no problems with refs like holding ladders, making them steady. I don't care. I agree. All right. Thank you so much to the Pro Wrestling Podcast. All right. Let's move on from here. After this, we get into the AEW Women's World Championship match. We got Jamie Hayter uh, defending her title against Soraya and Ruby Soho. Um, Sean, you know, here's the thing for me. I'm, you know, I'm a fan of... Jamie Hader. I'm a fan of all these people, but for me, I actually kind of would have preferred for them, and I get why they put Ruby Soho in this, but I actually would have preferred for this match to be one-on-one between Jamie Hader and Soraya. I haven't necessarily been too in love with the story. Um, a lot of the stuff that Soraya and Tony necessarily hasn't been hitting the mark for me. Um, I want to see more of... Uh, I, I, I want to see more of Jamie Hader kind of in a situation where it's mainly about her versus like you know, her and Brit. It always seems like there's a bunch of people jumbled up in the storyline. And I would like to see a little bit more of the singular focus on Jamie Hayter. On top of that, I kind of felt like the Ruby Soho, you know, whose side is she on? Whose side is she not on? I felt like it just killed too much time for it to not really mean anything, at least not to me right now. Um, thoughts on this one here? And is there any possibility that you see Jamie Hayter losing the title? Because I clearly don't. I don't think so. Um, I think that she's the right champion right now. She's very, very over. I understand putting Soraya uh, in, a, in a triple threat match. You want her to get her legs underneath her as well. It's been a long time since she wrestled. And even she admitted, you know, it was that first match was tough. So putting her in this is uh, good because you have a marquee name, the most famous name on their women's roster in there. You've got Ruby Soho, who is known to a lot of fans that watch WWE, but um, Jamie Hayter is so just perfectly champion material that I think that is important. I'm very intrigued in what Ruby Soho is doing, but I've not been so intrigued about this Soraya Tony stuff. It's like if Bart Simpson tried to start the NWO, like it's just it's not good. And I feel like it can be good, uh, but it, it just hasn't been of late. And Jamie and Britt have been significantly more sympathetic and like you, you can't just sit there and say like, we know they work hard. We know they're good. We watch them every week. So there, there's elements of this that I think could do, do with a little more help, but yeah, I, I think Jamie Hayter's great. I don't know. I don't know why I feel like this story has just been just it's kind of been a little bit of the same thing over and over and just a little bit yeah. prolonged. So I haven't been like too hot for it. But we got a super chat here from Mr. CJ Lilly, who says, is there too much use of outside events in the program with having so many people using moving to WWE as a story thing, as it seems like the only story? Uh, I don't necessarily feel that way about this stuff um, personally, because no. I feel like you look at a lot of these matches on the card and maybe like one or two have had a mention of even anything remotely related to that. 
the foundation of AEW was to build something different and to change the wrestling world. And they, they objectively did that. I don't care how much you like or dislike AEW. You cannot say that it didn't. I can tell you that a lot of the people that I talk to in WWE are very thankful that their once six figure salaries that people were like, Whoa, they're getting paid. That are now tripled, quadrupled, like, into the millions now because there is competition that can bid against them. So it changed the wrestling world for a lot of reasons. So within storyline, it's very easy for a guy like MJF to say, I'm going to do exactly what the guy who started this company did and leave to go to WWE. It's very easy for Soraya and Tony storm to play off of that and be like, well, we decided to come here. We could be there if we wanted to, we chose not to. So we're better than you. Uh, I think that's okay to to kind of lean on sometimes because we're not talking like ECW level of anti-establishment, but there, there's definitely uh, wrestling history is AEW history, and I think that's important. Yeah, and I do feel like they've toned it down because there was weeks where it was like multiple times back to back, and I have seen yeah. it like toned down a whole lot. We got oh, yeah. Don AK, Smiley Girl, who's a member here of the YouTube channel, and also send in a super chat. Thank you so much to Don, who says, Hi, Denise. Hi, Sean. Just wanted to thank you both for what you do day in and day out. And to remind everyone, don't forget to hit that like button. Well, that is very nice of you, Don. Thank you so much for sending this in, and thank you for your continuous support all the time. Thank you very much. Um, okay, and let me just catch up here. All right, moving on to our next match here we only got a couple more uh chris jericho versus ricky starks um damn better be I don't ricky know where to start starks. with this one it better be ricky starks listen jericho is jericho and he's gonna be around for a long time he's feeling good signed that new deal recently so he's gonna be there for several more years but ricky starks he needs a victory a big victory again over jericho he needs to dominate a feud not every feud needs to be Win, loss, rubber match. No, let Ricky Starks dominate this whole damn feud. Let him do it. But unfortunately, what I see happening is while Yas is banned from ringside, Jericho is going to find another way to cheat. And it'll be like, oh, man, but he cheated. So Ricky's still better. No, Ricky's got to get the pinfall. I think it's very important. And he needs to be launched into the stratosphere. So you think they're going to carry this feud on even longer after this? Like you're not seeing this being anywhere near the end, are you? Oh, it's a Jericho feud. It's probably so, going to go through double or nothing, I think. Man. All right. And it's and it, and it, it, it kind of does like, look, here's the thing. Like I love Chris Jericho and I love the matches that he has, but I do feel like sometimes I think a lot of these stories do need to kind of wrap up just a little bit quicker. And I do like that Ricky Starks is getting this like big, massive matchup here on the card. But yeah, I completely agree. I think Ricky Starks needs to get this win. But like you said, if this feud is going to continue to go longer, there's going to be a great chance that he's going to get royally screwed somehow. And we're going to see Jericho winning this, but uh, I, I'm hoping for Ricky Starks. I think that's kind of where I'm at on this one, but we'll see what ends up happening here. Um, all right. So next up, we got Samoa Joe versus Wardlow for the TNT Championship. And based off of yesterday's uh, Face of the Revolution ladder match, we know that Powerhouse Hobbs will be facing um, whoever wins uh, coming out of Revolution. We'll be facing them next week for the TNT Championship. And I feel like we that definitely has to be mentioned because um, for me, it impacts you know, obviously what I think or who I think should end up winning. But before we get into this, um, how how have you felt, Sean, about the Samoa Joe Wardlow story and what they've done with these two the last several months? 
I liked it. I didn't quite understand the haircutting thing at first, but then I I loved the way that Wardlow explained it, how it was important to him, how it meant something to him, uh, to his father, all that stuff. I thought that was very, very good. And Samoa Joe just being like, tough. I don't care. I don't care about anybody but me. Hobbs, unfortunately, has just been like in the background. And to me, like, why why not do Samoa Joe and Wardlow on Rampage and be like, damn, look at this super premium match. And then Hobbs gets his TNT title shot in his hometown on the pay-per-view. Like, I don't, I just don't understand. Like to me, you maximize everything the week of your pay-per-view because you have such a big roster. I thought they did that really well last night. They had a big ladder match, a big battle Royal FTW title, all Atlantic title. Thought that was very good. But why not Rampage 2? Put the TBS title on there. Jade's not booked. Have her do an open challenge. Put the TNT title match on there. And then, winner of the ladder match, winner of the TNT title match, then face off Sunday. And you can promote your hometown guy, Will Hobbs, on both the Dynamite and the pay-per-view. I just think that would have been a little bit better. I think the the title goes back to Wardlow, because I had actually heard he was supposed to win it a while back. But... uh that got a little bit pushed back, but him and Hobbs has seemed like a course for quite a while, but I wouldn't mind if this went to a non-finish and it's all three of them in there slapping meat, Denise. Well, here's the thing for me. And I've said this a couple of times now on my show is that I, you know, I'm a big fan of Wardlow, but I didn't like his run as TNT champion. I was not a fan of it. And so part of me is like, okay, if you were giving me these three options and what do I want to see? Granted, I want to, you know, see Samoa Joe be TNT champion for as long as possible. Right. Cause I'm a big fan of Samoa Joe, but I would rather much, I would much rather see powerhouse Hobbs um, as TNT champion because that's fresh and that's new. And I don't know what to expect from that yet then going back to Wardlow because I'm afraid that they're going to keep doing the same thing that they were doing previously with Wardlow so part of me is like man who do I want to win here like part of me is thinking well if Wardlow wins then there's a good chance that I'm not going to see Hobbs uh, defeat him because I don't think they're going to give Wardlow a one week one week uh, run. Maybe they can, but I just don't see it. So then I'm thinking, well, if Samoa Joe defeats Wardlow and then we get Samoa Joe and Hobbs, um, then there's a better chance that Hobbs will get the win there. But at the same time, it's like, damn, I don't necessarily know if that's necessarily true. So I'm a little bit stuck here where I'm just trying to there's two scenarios that I want to see. I either want to see Samoa Joe run rampant, like run rampage over everybody, whatever you want to call it, um, run wild over everyone. Or I want to see something fresh, something new and powerhouse Hobbs. I don't necessarily know that I want to circle back to Wardlow unless they do something different with him. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So I don't know. Um, in terms of your official prediction, who are you going with? If I've got to pick one, I'll say Wardlow. I think this could go to a non-finish, and I think we could see a triple threat next week, and uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. That would be fun. Uh, just to give an answer, I'm going to go with Samoa Joe. I think he's going to defeat Wardlow, but we'll see. Mr. CJ Lilly sends in a super chat saying, unrelated, I need to say this. Uh, it feels like WWE are doing Naomi and Sasha to Alexa right now with them removing her from the Women History Month stuff and Alexa not being surprised. She feels low on confidence right now. 
sad, says Mr. CJ Lilly. I haven't seen any of that stuff, so I don't even know what's going on with uh, the the women's history and Alexa Bliss uh, not being included. I don't know. So I can't even I don't even feel like I can comment on this, but I don't necessarily think that would be like uh, a diss or anything at Alexa Bliss. Uh, Any thoughts on this, Sean? No, I mean, I know Mr. CJ Lilly is a big Alexa fan, but I mean, I don't. I don't think that there is this intentional disrespect that some of the Alexa fans believe there is towards her. Um, I know that she has, you know, she's got a lot of like weird social media people that come after her and stuff like that. And it's best to try to uh, not use that and, and cast that on WWE because I mean, WWE sees her as a valuable performer and and long have it's just, they haven't always had good creative for her. And that's the unfortunate part because I feel like everything that they give to Alexa bliss, she commits to. And she, she's like, well, even if it's dumb, I'm going to make it as less dumb as I possibly can and do it to the best of my abilities. But she has also been very, very willing to say, if you don't have anything for me, why am I around? And I, I respect that an awful lot. Right, exactly. Thank you so much to Mr. CJ Lilly for sending uh, that in as well. All right, so we got a couple more matches to get into. We got three more before we get into those guys. Uh, if this is your first time on the channel or if you've been here a couple of times but you haven't clicked that subscribe button just yet, um, please do so. Uh, this channel is run entirely by me and it really means a lot to me. Um, if you guys click that subscribe button, I'm going to be at AW Revolution this weekend. So I will be posting all of the media scrums and clips and stuff like that. I have a brand new interview with Action and Dreddy. If you guys haven't checked that one out, please go ahead and give it some love. Uh, he gives some really great information, and uh, he's an up-and-coming rising star, so I feel like you're definitely going to want to get to know him. So check out that interview, and also make sure to subscribe. But next up, we got John Moxley versus Hangman Adam Page in a Texas death match. And this, to me, Sean, feels like the match that most people are ready to watch, like are most interested in it. Uh, how have you felt about this, you know, uh, series that we've been seeing with Moxley and Adam Page. I love it. I don't usually like rematch, 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 but this one has made a lot of sense. I was there in Cincinnati for that main event in on Dynamite that got abruptly ended. Uh, I don't know how long this story was supposed to go, but it ended up going really, really well. I think a lot of this will depend on the rules of the Texas death match um, because there have been varying rules throughout time. And some of them can be very anticlimactic. Like if you have to get the pinfall, then the 10 count, that can be very, very anticlimactic. But I think that these two are two of the best creative minds. And I I think that Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are what people think of when people say AEW because of how they started it. I look at John Moxley and Hangman Page as, as the heart and soul of AEW. Like, Adam Page is so like he's sort of like so pure and John Moxley is so committed. Like he could have went oh, back to WWE and got five million bucks a year. And I don't know what the hell they're paying him in AEW, but he could have got that, I think, pretty easily based on who he is and the fact that they would have had him main eventing WrestleManias. And he's like, No, I'm gonna stay in AEW. I ain't taking the vacation I had planned. I'm gonna help produce matches. I'm gonna help mentor younger talent as well. So I see them as these guys that, that really help the blood flow of this company, uh, I guess, literally and figuratively. 
I, I, yeah, I think so too. Uh, I will say this, like, I love the, uh, well, they all, they've been having great matches. I love I loved what they did at the AEW Dynamite in Los Angeles. That was phenomenal. But, um, so in terms of this one, like, I'm really looking forward to it because I really love, um, that, you know, we've seen, you know, obviously we see John Moxley bleed like all the time, but we've seen Adam Page and Texas Deathmatch stuff. And we, we know that, uh, you know, that they can, we know that both sides are going to bring it and that both sides can go. I do want to talk about, last night's visual because I thought it was so funny how polar opposite Hangman Page and Moxley's uh, promos were. You got yeah. John Moxley all bleeding and he's talking about how there's only room for one animal in AEW. And I loved the line where he said that, yeah, Adam Page is a great man, a great wrestler, but there's only room for one animal and that's John Moxley. And this is his ecosystem and everything that he said there. And then on the, up- the opposite side, you had Hangman Adam Page, who's like all looking all country with his country cowboy clothing. <laughs> and it looks like the set of a music video um and you know he's talking more about passion and heart and this and that so um i kind of favored moxley in the promo stuff but i definitely want to see and i think we should see adam page finally get the victory here but what are you thinking because i feel like this match is more of john moxley's style i guess you can say yeah i think it's uh i think it should be hangman page i think that he sort of needs that even though he's been world champion I feel like since since he became world champion, it was almost like, well, we know Punk's going to get it. And a lot of people were just kind of waiting for Punk to eventually get it. And that happened fairly, fairly soon-ish into it. Tony Khan always said that he knew who the first like four AEW champions were. But then when Punk won it, well, obviously he didn't know that Punk was going to be champion from from the start because he didn't have Punk. But I felt like a lot of that was sort of overshadowed by Punk. And a lot of a lot of it's always what's next, what's next, what's next. Like with MJF, I think a lot of people are like, okay, but what about 2024? Instead of what about what's next? And I think that Adam Hangman Page needs that, and John Moxley can afford that. He can afford to lose. Right, exactly. I think you're right on that. He can afford to lose. And I think it just adds to like him saying, oh, there's only room for one animal. Well, next thing you know, we have Hangman Adam Page. We got two animals here on the roster. But we got Sean Ross Sapp's long lost child in here who says, Papa, MJF is going to lose. I don't know what's going on here, Sean. What's wow. going on? Uh, not not mine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much to Sean Ross Sapp's long lost child. Um, all right. And then Benoit Richard, who is a member here of the YouTube channel, says Hangman needs to win more than John Moxley. And I think we are in agreement with all of that. All right. And moving on to this next match here. This is for the uh, AEW World Tag Team titles. We got a four way here with the Guns defending their championships against the former champs of uh, the acclaimed uh, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and then Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen, who were added last night. Uh, I want to start off by asking you this, Sean. What did you think about the Guns winning the AEW World Tag Team titles? I felt like it was bridging a gap. I felt like it was uh, it was them leading to something else. But then I look at this and I go, well, Orange Cassidy doesn't need two belts. The Acclaimed don't need them back. I wouldn't mind seeing the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn chase the trios. Lethal and Jeff Jarrett not only don't need this, they don't need that much more TV time. The Guns, as reported by FightfulSelect.com, just signed new deals. 
where FTR? I don't know. Sting and Darby Allen would have been great in this match. I would love to see Sting and Darby Allen as champs. The guns, I think the guns are better than people give them credit for. They are not as athletic or as good a wrestlers as their dads, but I think they're better at body language, facial expressions, and they're just as good at developing heat from a live perspective as he was or is. But I, I didn't hate it as much as other people, but I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what the end game is here. I really did think it would be short-term, and I don't mind them as short-term champions right now. Here's the thing. I hated it. When it happened, I thought, oh, sure. God. And I thought I understood why they did it. But given that we ended up bleeding into a four-way match, I'm like, did you really need to make the Guns champions if we're leading into a four-way match? I thought we were going to get just the Guns and the Acclaimed and that the Acclaimed would get their titles back at Revolution. But then when I saw that it was going to be a four-way, I'm like, okay, so we didn't really necessarily need the Guns to win the tag team titles to progress the story, in my opinion. This could have yeah. easily been done with them not as tag team champions. So for me, that really, uh, it hit the brakes on, you know, even the minor interest that I had in this storyline there wasn't much interest you know i was trying to find the comedy in it and there was some good comedy in it but it really wasn't like the kind of story that gets me you know all hyped up to watch the programming with that being said i saw that a lot of people were upset about jay lethal and jeff jarrett being being added to this match but to me it felt so incredibly obvious that they were going to be added yeah, here for sure. and so for i'm looking at these options and i'm legitimately I, for me, for my pick, look, I don't want to see the guns as champions. I don't think that they're adding anything as tag team champions. The acclaimed, obviously, I would prefer to see them get their titles back here. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen, I think, are probably amongst the favorites if it's not the acclaimed it's orange cassidy and dan Housen because they're both loved guys but uh, i just don't know what that would look what that would look like necessarily to have them as tag team champions but i wouldn't mind it so i'm kind of along the lines of i don't know what's gonna happen here i feel like you can go any of these directions give it back to the acclaimed try something wildly new and put it on jay lethal and jeff jarrett which would get a lot of heat oh. i think um but i have a feeling is it the that right kind of though, heat though is it the right kind of heat that's how I thought he, about the guns. I don't think it was he, the right kind of heat. Sure. I, I think the guns are more likely to get the right kind of heat than Lethal and Jarrett at this point, just because Lethal and Jarrett dominate and have dominated so much of AEW programming. I like them both as workers and performers. I think Jeff Jarrett's actually been very, very great in his run, but I don't need to see them every week when Scorpio Sky and Miro can't get, can't get their face on the show, when Eddie Kingston's barely been on the show. I just, you know, I don't need that. I think the guns win this. I think it's a very, very good match too, but um, I don't have that much interest in the story aspect. I don't have yeah. much interest in the story. I think the match, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be fun. I'm, I'm expecting a lot of comedy to come out of this one, but personally, I, I would much rather see Orange Cassidy and Danhausen or the acclaimed retain retake their titles because i don't know i need to see something entirely different here this one's kind of like a would you rather question where both, yeah, yeah. both the options are not too great but you got to make a choice you know spike Absolutely. lee sends in a super chat saying we've been a uh, hoodwinked bamboozled and led astray by this tag division and that's the truth ruth uh, we kind of glossed on this earlier before but um i mean what can i say i can't necessarily totally disagree with this Thank yeah, you so much to Spike Likewise. Lee. 
And um, all right, now let me just catch up here and let's go ahead and get into the last and final matchup here. So here we go. MJF defending the AW World Championship against Brian Danielson in a 60-minute Iron Man match. Um, this is one that last night, Sean, I could I still didn't necessarily have my prediction. I have my prediction now, and I'm feeling pretty confident in it. Uh, I didn't really know which way this was going to go because I saw this going both directions. But I want to start off by asking you, how have you felt as for how have you felt with MJF as a W world champion? I like it. I, I think he's done really, really well. Anytime somebody finally gets their moment, the, it is always the what's next. And it's never good enough for a certain group of people. I think MJF has done really well. He is basically running like a Joker in Batman thing where he's painting himself out as the baby face as, oh, this is why I'm the way I, that I am. And it's always some other excuse. It's, it's never his fault that he's an asshole. It's always somebody else's fault. And I've really liked the build. I especially loved that MJF, who is the best promo in AEW, wasn't allowed to talk on Wednesday. And... Brian Danielson was like, no, 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 no. This is why your fiance left you and I'm going to kick your head in and wouldn't let MJF get the last word in that he's so accustomed to getting. And I think that's been a very unique build. And I think the what's next aspect of this is fascinating because a lot of people I feel like, and for me, sometimes it's okay. Foregone conclusion. MJF is at least telling everybody that'll listen that his deal is up at the start of 2024. So he'll just hold the title till then. But Denise, you know, I'm a big Bengals fan. It's a lot more heartbreaking to me to lose a match or to lose a game that you're in a big game that you're in all the way through your team's winning. Then they drop the lead. Then they get it back. They drop the lead. Then at the last second, it's stolen from them. I would like to see that with MJF. I'd like to see Danielson win the title. Then MJF win it right back. I would love to see him do that a couple times. And then at the very last second of 2024, he snatches it right back. Just when you think, oh, okay, well, this is it. He's really not going to be champion. He snatches it back because it's not about him leading for all four quarters of the game. He's just got to lead with three seconds left in the game until it hits zero on that clock for 2024. So um, for mine here, I, I'm also going to ask you because you revealed that, you know, uh, you posted on Twitter about how when MJF brought up that his fiance left him, a lot of people didn't know, like, oh, is this just storyline? Is this legit? Yeah. And how, what was your reaction to that, knowing that it was real? Well, I knew about it about a month ago, but I, I don't put people's private business out there as unless it's legal uh, stuff or, you know, scandal stuff that, that affects something like that. But I was given the, the go ahead to post that information out there because it was public at that point. So I think a lot of people thought it was just a part of the angle. But and who knows, you know, maybe, maybe the two kids will rekindle things. You never know. But um, yeah, I was shocked. I, you know what? I wasn't that shocked. I, I was a little surprised because I know that it bothered him personally. But guy's a super worker. And if he can play off of real life things, he's going to do that in order to make his angles better. And that's the way the guy is. I mean, he, the entire angle that led up to him becoming champion and walking out like that started because he and Tony Khan had legitimate, like heated conversations and arguments. So uh, he knows, he knows 
the, the smart way to make money. I love the way that Brian Danielson mentioned in the uh, promo yesterday where he was like, oh, this is how you do it, uh, Max. Uh, shoulders to Matt, uh, banging rats, whatever it is that he was yeah. said exactly. That was really, uh, you know, him saying that he wouldn't want his daughter marry someone like that. That was pretty good. But um, for me, I'm definitely going with Brian Danielson. I've decided, like, he can lose this match. This is his match. He needs to get the win. At first, I didn't know how I felt about MJF losing the title, you know, so soon. But I'm like, there's no way Brian Danielson can lose in this type of matchup. So my official pick is definitely Brian. And I'm excited to see what it would look like for him as a W World Champion. We got a super chat here from Mr. CJ Lilly who says, on this one, why would the acclaimed cash their rematch in on a four-way rather than a straight tag team match as it puts them in a disadvantage? Didn't make sense. Um, they pretty much kind of talked about this on um, on AEW previously. And it's pretty much just like having confidence. And I don't blame them at all because you shouldn't be scared as a team to take on one team two teams three teams whatever it will make you look like a weenie and they don't want to look like that obviously yeah um thank you so much to mr cj lily for sending this in we got another super chat from mr cj lily who says predictions um prediction for length of pay-per-view mine is six hours i lose track hours. at these how long are they usually to me it's a blur man usually usually four to five hours it ain't gonna be six hours and then usually the scrum lasts about like two hours, close to two hours sometimes. So it'll so, be a long night. Have they been shorter now that Tony just joins them? Uh, on, they've been like, shorter. Like it, okay. the double or nothing one was really long that one time in Vegas. Yeah. Um, but it's been shorter than that for sure. But still pretty lengthy though. Yeah. But they, course. but they are, but they are. But sometimes it's like I think they got to get their timing down because there's some people where it's like, yeah, you don't really have too many questions for them, and you can tell that the room is like, okay, we're done, we're ready for the next person. But then there's other times where there's somebody that you still have a lot of questions for, and they yeah. tend to rush that person out. So I think that it's just finding the timing. And balance of who who there's more material for at these pressers so um there you go Alrighty, everyone. So that was um, our AEW Revolution uh, prediction stream. I want to thank uh, Sean so much for coming on here and taking the time to uh, come on to my channel and, uh, you know, talk about AEW with me. Sean, before we go, promote what you need to promote. Uh, Grapsity has interviews with Ruby Soho, Keith Lee going up this week. Uh, we have reviews, previews, all kinds of stuff on Fightful. FightfulSelect.com. I know some of you might have reservations about plopping down $5 a month for wrestling news. It's not just wrestling news. You get early access to our interview notes. You get 30-plus uh, uh, podcasts a month that are not aggregated elsewhere. We're talking show reviews, exclusive news, Q&As, all that good stuff, plus hundreds of evergreen shows in our archives like Figure Hall, Card Hall, and uh, retro reviews as well. Check that out, uh, FightfulSelect.com. Please subscribe to our YouTube. Denise is blowing us out of the water. So I'm, I'm not going to tell you to unsubscribe from Denise's channel. Oh, and subscribe thanks. To I'm thanks. Not I, I, said, I said I'm not going to say that, so I didn't say that. But just come over to ours. We greatly appreciate it. Stay here. Uh, I don't tell you guys not to go to Fightful.com because I'm nice and I welcome the competition, Sean. No, but for reals, guys, uh, all of the links to that are in the description box below to go support Sean and Fightful and all of that good stuff. Uh, as for me, you guys know the drill. Please subscribe here to the channel. Um, I surpassed over 92,000 subscribers. I'm trying to get to 100K, guys, so I can feel like my work has finally been validated. Um, please give me some love on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter 
at underscore Denise Salcedo. Sean, I don't know what you're doing. Help me buy some more lights. This one's too small. <laughs> Look at that. That's guy. what she said. Wow. <laughs> With that, ladies and gentlemen, that was our show. Thank you guys so much for being here. Bye, everyone.